Let's bring in CNN's Kristen Holmes, who's watching all of this unfold. Kristen, how does the Trump team plan to move forward after this fourth arrest and his first mugshot? Well, Wolf, you mentioned this legal and political strategy, and really they're one and the same. Former President Trump is going to run for president in 2024 on these legal issues and essentially saying that this is election interference, and that is what we have continued to see. Now, we also know that he is going to fundraise off of this. And again, this is all part of the political strategy that is also the legal strategy. We've seen that he's already put out fundraisers with this mugshot. He's selling merchandise, uh, trying to get people to buy it. And let me tell you that I heard from campaign officials who said that people are buying this merchandise, that people are rallying behind the former president. His team wants to use his legal problems, use these trials, use these arrests uh, as a way to propel him in the race. And we know that right now he is still the the GOP frontrunner, and they believe that that is going to stay, particularly given the amount of media coverage that he is getting, even if it is negative media coverage. And that is what they are talking about, trying to, again, use these legal struggles, use these arrests, arraignments, indictments uh, as a way to get money, as a way to get followers, and a way to uh, convince Republicans to rally around him. Now, of course, it's not clear that that's going to work, but they do believe a strategy that that will work. All right, Kristen, I want you to stay with us. Uh, I also want to bring in CNN political commentators Bakari Sellers and Scott Jennings. Uh, Bakari, earlier this afternoon, President Biden commented on Trump's latest arrest. Let's listen to what he said. Listen to this. Have you seen Donald Trump's mugshot yet? Mr. President, are you worried at all about that? I, I did see it on television. What would you think? Handsome guy. Wonderful guy. So, Bakari, what do you think of uh, how President Biden has handled Trump's legal troubles, at least so far? Does this create an opening for the Biden campaign? I don't think so. I think that they're going to allow uh, the Trump legal troubles to, to consume the Trump campaign. They're going to run their own campaign. And, and not only that, but you have to remember that, save for Georgia and New York, it's the Trump justice, or excuse me, the Biden Justice Department, which is prosecuting. Uh, the, the former president of the United States. So I anticipate they'll take a hands-off approach and they'll run on things like the economy, they'll run on Bidenomics, they will run on what most people usually run for president of the United States on, which is a vision for the future. Whether or not you agree with that or not, it, it's up to you, your choice. Donald Trump is doing something totally different. He's running a, a campaign of grievance um, and, and saying that he has been persecuted and prosecuted unfairly. And so you'll have these two different campaigns, but Biden's not going to weigh into Trump's legal problems. Scott, uh, Trump's uh, mugshot may help him raise some money for his campaign, but will it help him politically? Well, look, he's used these uh, different uh, legal entanglements over time for now uh, to boost himself in the Republican primary. They're going to do that again. But what is becoming increasingly clear, Wolf, is the gulf between what's helping him uh, maintain his base of primary support and what would what would hurt him in a general election. There's just uh, a mountain of polling out there now that indicates that these legal entanglements are hurting him, that if he were to be convicted of a felony, uh, that it would make it very difficult, if not impossible, for him to be elected president. It's already going to be difficult for him to be elected. So um, it, it's, it's a crazy disconnect. What helps you today uh, could be killing you tomorrow uh, if he were to be the Republican nominee, and it's a, quite a conundrum for the Republican Party. Kristen, Republicans are starting to report how much money they raised in the 24 hours after the first presidential debate. DeSantis says he raised a million dollars. 
Uh, Ramaswamy uh, says he raised, what, $900,000. How closely do you think the Trump campaign is watching this to see if there's a new second-place rival to attack? Well, if they watch everything very closely, but I do want to know, when we talk about a second-place rival, we talk about Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, he has done nothing but praise former President Trump, and that is something that Trump has noticed. He, of course, values loyalty. And so when it comes to Ramaswamy, you've almost heard nothing from Trump in terms of negativity. But when it comes to that fundraising numbers, they are watching everything closely, particularly as we know that Donald Trump has lost several of his big donors. They are still looking to fundraise uh, repeatedly. We know that actually this next week he's holding, holding a series of fundraisers at his resort in Bedminster. Uh, so always watching and always trying to see who is the, who is jockeying for second place. Uh, but again, when it comes to Ramaswamy, he has a lot less um, animosity than when it comes to DeSantis, even if Ramaswamy's poll numbers went up. Yeah, just one correction. Ramaswamy raised $600,000 uh, in the first few hours <clears throat> after that debate. Uh, Bakari, the Biden campaign is out with a new ad today targeting Trump, DeSantis, and Tim Scott over their stances on abortion rights for women. Are those the three candidates that Democrats are most concerned about after this first debate? I think so. I, I'm not sure DeSantis is somebody that Democrats are worried about, but we'll just throw him in there with the rest of the lot. Tim Scott, yes, I think Democrats are afraid of what his vision may be in the Republican Party, disagree with him politically, but it's a it, it's a 180 degree difference from the politics of grievance of, say, Donald Trump, and he actually has experience, contrast that to Ramaswamy. So I think Tim Scott belongs in that category. But look, I have said it and I will say it again. This race is likely over on King Day in Iowa when Donald Trump wins that primary. Donald Trump is Biden's number one target. And Democrats have to understand that it is true that Donald Trump can be president of the United States again. And Democrats must run scared. Scott, senior officials say a pro-DeSantis super PAC plans to purchase at least $25 million $25 million in new ads in Iowa and New Hampshire. Do you think DeSantis is bouncing back from his earlier struggles? Well, if you look at the Des Moines Register poll that came out a few days ago, Wolf, he had the highest net faves in the Republican field, and he had the most people that were considering voting for him. So despite the national gloom and doom narrative, he actually has some underlying fundamentals that are still going well for him. I think he had a perfectly fine debate. Uh, and maybe uh, helped himself just a little bit there with a couple of his answers on key issues. So, you know, we'll see if TV ads, uh, you know, still make a difference. I, you know, for him, it's not really as much about Trump yet because he's not uh, cleared up the clutter on the non-Trump uh, side of this primary. And so uh, what he has to do is show some movement back up the scale, you know, just holding it 13, 14, 15 percent for weeks and weeks and weeks is not good enough. At some point, you have to start seeing yourself tick up a little bit. That's a serious amount of money to spend on TV ads, uh, and we'll see what they come up with. Uh, he'll have more to spend on that, I think, than the other campaigns, uh, although Tim Scott, as Bakari mentioned, is not without uh, serious firepower as well. Kristen, uh, you do a lot of reporting on this. Does the Trump, the Trump campaign have the cash it needs to buy millions of dollars in ads, given how much it's spending on Trump's legal bills. Well, if I just talked to a Trump advisor about this actually right before this hit, and they said, no, they are not concerned about the fundraising, but here's why. It's because of the disconnect here the, between uh, Trump's legal fees that are paid for the Save America PAC and the campaign. They have kept this very separate. The campaign funds, they still say that they have more than $20 million cash on hand. 
When it comes to legal fees, though, they are very concerned about that. When Save America PAC, as we know and we reported several weeks ago, uh, made a $60 million donation to another MAGA, the MAGA Inc. Super PAC and then asked for it back. And that is because of those extraordinary legal bills. So that is where the real concern is. And of course, as we also know, they have opened up a legal defense fund for several of these uh, lower tier, lower aides who needed legal help that Trump was paying for. So that's where the real concern is. Are they going to run out of money for those legal funds? Yeah, that's important. Bakari, I want you to listen to something that Viveka Ramaswamy said on the campaign trail earlier this afternoon about Democratic Congresswoman uh, Ayanna Presley. Listen to this. Ayanna Presley, she's in the Congress today. She's a member of the squad. Her words, not mine. We don't want any more black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't want any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. These are the words of the modern grand wizards of the modern KKK. What's your reaction to that, Bakari? Ramaswamy's kind of idiotic when he says that. And this is why <clears throat> his campaign has caught fire amongst uh, some, some fringes on the right, because he uses these kind of slogans, he uses these tag words. But again, he has no depth. I mean, Ayanna Presley doesn't need me to explain what she was saying. But if you are going to be someone who represents minorities in this country, if you're going to be a voice and represent them on the largest platform in the world, then you must actually speak truth to power about those issues that directly affect them. That's what Representative Presley is saying, that you have to be true to yourself, that you have to be uplifting of your community, and you cannot act like the ills that affect black and brown people don't affect you. And, and for him to call her all types of names um, is just beneath the dignity of, of this type of civil discourse. Race is a very, very difficult issue for this country to grapple with. Ramaswamy in that comment showed that he's unable or unwilling or simply doesn't have the intellect necessary to tackle that issue of race uh, by those comments he made. And, and quickly, Scott, what are your thoughts? Well, look, uh, we saw Joe Biden in the last presidential campaign make a comment you know, to, akin to this, that uh, you can't be an actual black person if you're not supporting me for president. Republicans believe that there is a viewpoint on the American left that uh, somehow you can't be a full member of your party, of your race, if you don't fall in with the Democratic Party. That's what Ramaswamy uh, was talking about, this idea that being black or being Hispanic mandates that you be a liberal or a progressive or a member of the Democratic Party. You hear Republicans all over the country and races all over the country talking about this. And by the way, there's some polling and evidence to indicate out there that there is a little bit of movement in Hispanic communities and in African-American communities uh, towards the Republican Party right now. So I'm not surprised to hear Ramaswamy talking about it because it's something Republicans are talking about everywhere. We'll continue this conversation down the road, guys. Thank you very much.